one thing that I wish allies would not do is um, think about when your voice is necessary in the conversation. Um, many times I think that allies are so passionate about our equal rights or our oppression that their voice becomes the loudest one in the room and they become centered mm. in, in the argument. They become now the advocate or the person who is visible, which takes away from the person who's actually feeling the oppression. It, it kind of spotlights you. I think the biggest thing that an ally can do, especially someone who benefits from privilege, is making sure that the conversation stays focused and centered on the people who are oppressed and the people who are going through this very difficult time of, of being seen. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed in something fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot also go with the rainbow by the time Clancy. Uh, wish I not had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go in here to run, I'm a check. Wish I had no other sand, most beat, I'm a chest. Wish it for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name our own picture, we bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland. So much for high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown, love we go here to dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion, go ahead, call the ambulance. Friends, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 104. And it's part number five of our series for Pride called The Church Has Been Wrong About LGBTQ People. And this is the final installment of the series. And I got to tell you that I saved the very best for last because we have talked to some, uh, I don't know, some stellar, who says that? Stellar people in this series. Uh, Fantastic people, wonderful voices, beautiful human beings. But today... You have the treat of listening in on a conversation that I had with my friend and co-worker at Apple. Uh, her name is December Wells, and she came on to answer your question. So all the way back in like, I don't know, February, I think, maybe January, I put up a, uh, a post in our closed Facebook group for the podcast, which you're welcome to join, by the way. It's like the happening place. Go to Facebook, search What If Project Community, and you will find a whole bunch of us spiritual wanderers slash explorers there asking questions, sharing resources, and cheering each other on. Anyway, we've got like 180 people in this group, and I threw out the question, hey, I'm doing this series for Pride, and if you could ask an LGBTQ person any question, what would you ask them? And so I got a whole bunch of responses and I went to work one day and I said this to December, I said, listen, uh, you know, I got this podcast, you listen to it. I got this Facebook group. I got these people that have questions. Would you come on the show and answer the questions? And she bravely and courageously said, yes. So I went through all the questions gathered the ones that were asked like multiple times and picked like the top three or four. I gave them to December. I said, here, I'm going to ask you these questions. Ponder your responses. Think about them. Uh, and then we'll do the episode. So we recorded it on a lunch break um, a few weeks ago. And uh, we had a lot of fun. So I'm really excited to share this uh, with you. But before we hit play uh, on the episode, real quick, patreon.com slash whatifproject is a place where you can go to support the show financially. So anywhere from $3 a month up to $20 a month, every tier gets its own reward, whether it's a bonus blog post, uh, a bonus podcast episode, a book I send you in the mail, entrance into a special Marco Polo community where we send video chats back and forth, all sorts of wild stuff. So go over there, check it out, patreon.com slash whatifproject. And also the Heretic Shop is a place to go and buy some t-shirts uh, some hoodies, some jackets. Uh, we have pillows, stickers, mugs, backpacks. I mean, if you can think of it, it's in there with some What If Project uh, stuff, logos and things written all over it and, I don't know, phrases and stuff that's going to make people mad. That's why it's called the Heretic Shop. So if you want to you know, go to your Thanksgiving dinner in November and cause a little bit of a ruckus, go pick up a shirt from there and uh, wear it because... I'm sure it'll tick somebody off. But anyway, uh, head over there, check it out. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And special music today. This is like an Apple extravaganza because special music today 
is uh, from my friend Young Citizen, who's an artist here uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing amazing things in the world. His music has been on here before. And for this episode, he sent me a very special brand new song. Uh, I'm going to play an excerpt of it now or a clip of it now. I'll play the whole thing for you at the end. But head over to Apple uh, Music, Spotify, all the places you listen to cool tunes, download his stuff, pass it around, show him some love. Uh, again, doing great things in the world, Mr. Young Citizen. So all that to say, like I said, this is episode number 104, part number five of our series. And let's roll the tape with the one and the only December Wells. Enjoy. To my knees, praying to God, bless me with my one and my needs. Know that He got my back and no choice but to proceed. Only thing that I ask is that you do set me free. Free. Falling to my knees, praying to God, bless me with my one and my needs. Know that He got my back and no choice but to proceed. Only Friends, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today we are joined by an incredibly special guest. Her name is December Wells, and December and I actually work together at the Apple Store on a, on a lunch break right now. And uh, she is someone <laughs> who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. She's taught me a lot about important topics in regards to race, uh, human sexuality, LGBTQ inclusion. So that said, December, my my daily partner in crime. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It is, a, it is an honor to be on this podcast because I'm such a huge fan. And obviously I love you, Glenn, because I work with you every day. So I have to say that. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you have to like but, the podcast. You have no choice. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I have to be a fan. But no, in all honesty, I'm, I'm so happy to be on the podcast and be a part of this conversation with you. Thank you. So December, as you know, I invited you on the show today to answer some questions uh, from our listeners and just to give everybody some some context, we have a closed uh, Facebook group with about 100 and maybe 80 people in it. And a few months back, I made this announcement that I would be doing this series for Pride, where I'd be talking to some LGBTQ friends. And I wanted to know what questions the listeners had for LGBTQ people that they might never have the opportunity to ask, because maybe they're too nervous to ask their questions, or maybe they don't know anyone well enough to ask their questions. So that's where you come in. Uh, you were you were kind enough and brave enough to say yes to this forty five <laughs> minute or so adventure with these questions. But uh, first, if you wouldn't mind, uh, maybe take a few minutes to tell us about yourself. You know, who are you? What do you do other than Apple? Uh, what makes December Wells tick? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, my name is December Wells. I am originally from New York City. I was born in Queens. New York. Uh, Hey, hey um, how you I've doing? Been, eh? that, you see, you're a <laughs> Jersey boy, so you understand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm originally from New York. Um, I've actually been in North Carolina for three years now. Well, this September will be three years. And I came out when I was probably about 16. Um, and I, I genuinely have always had a passion uh, for just social justice issues. Um, intersectionality, um, visibility for black and brown people. Mm. And these are overall just areas that I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, I grew up in a household, I mixed, uh, my background is black and Italian, um, where my, my mother taught me specifically how important it was considering you looking at me, um, you could probably guess that I am a black woman mm. um, with some other mixed descent and ethnicity. But um, I grew up in a household that my mother told me it was very important to own who I am um, and very important to be a knowledgeable, strong, outspoken black woman. Hmm. And I've always kind of owned that. But over the years, I've been able to channel all of that energy and passion into advocating for social justice. So I'm super passionate about community and volunteering. I've had the opportunity in New York to volunteer for about two years for the LGBTQ Center, specifically the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, which is, um, I don't know if it's still the only, um, but when I started, it was the only um, dedicated queer bookstore in New York City. Um, and I do use that term um, to represent our community as a whole. I do identify as queer. I know that people use it for different things. But in that particular center, there are multiple organizations and that is the organization that I volunteered for. Um, and I just learned a lot. They hosted a lot of 
book events. We had a lot of really important conversations about gender and race and social equality. Um, I did some volunteering with BYP 100, which is Black Youth Project 100. It is a group of people that focuses on Black liberation through a queer feminist lens. So it mm -hmm. kind of covers everyone under the blanket of oppression in the Black and Brown community. So everyone is welcomed and really just advocating for just our, not only our visibility, but making sure that we are paying attention to our, how we're paid, um, how we're treated, our equal rights, navigating through speaking up for ourselves, just so many things. And being a part of those groups really just pushed me to want to be an advocate for them out loud in different areas. So when I came to North Carolina, I noticed that they had an LGBTQ center, but it was closed. And I also noticed that there are, there are a lot of people who work incredibly hard to create these spaces for our youth and for black and brown people, but there aren't a lot. So I kind of took the approach of through my, through Apple where I worked, um, using the volunteer champion team to kind of navigate through setting up volunteer events in our community. And also through those events, making connections with those organizations to see how I could either volunteer on my own or share out more information on my social media and just kind of be an advocate for getting visibility to these places where um, LGBTQ and black and brown people can have a safe space to just be themselves and educate themselves. Mm. So obviously those are my, my big passion pieces. I'll be 34 years old this year, but I'm 33 now. Um, I am with my partner of several years now, Mr. Priya. We live down here together in North Carolina. She's from here. Um, and she's uh, a big reason why I'm here along with um, family and friends. So I, I would definitely say that I'm an outspoken person. I'm loud. I'm passionate about black and brown <laughs> issues. Just a, just a little things. bit outspoken. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit um but those are those are my passion pieces and i'm just i'm all about self-accountability but we can't be accountable if we're giving equal resources and mm. the issues of oppression that we're facing are not even on the radar for people mm. so my my biggest pieces are and my my overall passion in life is to just make sure that people who who fall into whatever level hierarchy of oppression that they fit are seen and heard and advocated for um and that is just how i want to live my life that that will be my legacy so that that is me hmm. i love it and i i really i'm not just saying this to puff you up because you're on my podcast but i, I really <laughs> i'm really grateful uh for you like you know like i said for our listeners like i work with december we, we share a desk together at work so we're with each other all day long and i have learned a tremendous amount from you and it's been an honor really to have an up close seat over this last year and I've known you now for what maybe a little bit over two years but just to watch how your your voice has developed how it's changed how it's grown and how you've almost found your your niche you know I mean we joke about how you're outspoken and, and you are but it feels like your outspokenness has really been harnessed to particular issues in a particular place and that's something that really inspires me because as I started up this podcast I was trying to find my voice and what is my voice going to speak into and as I've watched you figure out your voice and where you speak into it, it's really helped me and inspire me and encourage me. So I just wanted to, to thank you for that. Glennon means a lot because you inspire me every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day, seeing the work that you do, seeing how I was a person who didn't grow up believing, um, well, not at least in my adult years and when I came out, I, I feel as a, L, a person in the LGBTQ community, we don't often feel that God is for us or that we're welcome mm -hmm. or that that we're we're accepted or that we're loved. It's always a, well, you know, God loves everyone despite your horrible sin. And there are certain things that we can and cannot do for you in certain places you're welcome because you just have to wear that, but God still loves you. And I think going, navigating my relationship with God over the past three years significantly, um, being in North Carolina has been eye-opening because being from New York, I would have never thought a place like North Carolina and meeting so many people would open my eyes and my heart to God and be so inclusive. Mm -hmm. But you are a huge, huge, huge part in that. Like just, we talk about things like prayer. We talk about um, spaces of inclusivity within churches and, and how mm -hmm. the church is changing and how to navigate through that. How how can you be a voice in church and, and feel like you belong while not completely pushing your your gender or your sexual identity to the side because you are nervous that people are going to kind of outcast you. Yeah. And I think you've really made, you've made me feel 
really confident about knowing that God is for everyone and that we are welcome and loved and supported. And it's been a huge impact to my life. So I'm, I have to throw that thank you right back at you. Thank you. And now, now let's sing Kumbaya together. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Are you ready for some of these questions? I am. All right. So first question, um, and this is actually a question that I've tried to ask everybody who's come onto the show uh, for this series because the answer is always different depending on their background, their race, their gender, all the things. But as someone who is part of the LGBTQ community, uh, this listener wants to know, what unique perspective do you feel that you have about God that someone else, like say myself, a straight white guy, might completely miss or be oblivious to? Like, How is your perspective on God perhaps unique because of who you are? So I think one thing over the years has changed. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up seeing God as a a straight white male yep. <laughs> that was not, <laughs> that was that that was someone that you know what's the what's the saying um you sit high or look low or something yeah, along the lines of, of that yep. yeah um so i i always thought of god as like this really high white person who kind of accepted people a certain kind of way who looked a certain kind of way and behaved a certain type of way and i always thought mm-hmm. well Biblically, traditionally, women don't matter, especially black people. I was completely unaware of so many things in the Bible. So I saw God as this entity that did not represent me or anyone who looked like me, that maybe if I, um, maybe if I did all of the right things, I could get in God's good graces and be accepted by this straight white male who's going to save us all. Um, But over the years, my perspective of God has changed. I don't, when I pray and I think about God, I don't have a a specific idea of what God looks like. I kind of feel um naked pastor on instagram i know that is somebody that you follow yeah um the picture where he shows um jesus or god i re-identify it in in such a light of a mixed race individual with no specific gender that is how i look at god that is the perception i have i look at god as somebody who's in all of us we can all have a different um individual relationship with god Hmm. but he's reflective of everyone because i feel god created all of us in his image as they say so there's, it's, it's going to be unique and it's going to be diverse. There's mm-hmm. not one look or one gender or one way to feel. I see God as representing all of us, someone with an open heart who loves us all and, and fills us all with grace mm-hmm. um, and gives that grace so we can feel free to grow and make mistakes. I don't feel that many people look at God that way. I think that many people see God as either a woman or a male, black or white, and, and that's all I've ever known. But my, my idea of God and my, I guess my perception of God is very different. I mm. see God as all of us and all encompassing gender and race, which is crazy. Um, but well, at least it sounds crazy when I say <laughs> it out loud. But in my mind, <laughs> in my mind, that is how that is how I see God. Um, and I see God as a very, um, one of the things that I would think growing up, I did not see God as merciful. Um, mm. In that perspective, I saw God as someone who was kind of waiting to catch you sinning or making a mistake. So you could be punished in your life in some way, like you'll lose a loved one or mm. you will, you'll lose a friend or you'll lose your job or you'll lose money or um, you'll be poor or whatever, whatever your specific um, situation is negatively. Sure. That was how you were punished. And now I look at God as someone who's just forgiving. A lot of that I think has come from our conversations, mm. but I, I look at God as someone who's having open arms to everyone. Like you've made your mistakes. And I'm not going to hold that against you. You have the mm. opportunity to change. Those mistakes are what grow you and make you. And as long as you have love for, for me um, and try to live God-like meaning loving and supporting others, then you are welcome and you will always be supported and loved and given grace and blessed. Yeah. And, and that is my perspective perspective when it comes perspective when it comes to god so would you say that the like you said that now you see god as merciful whereas in the past you didn't would you say that you see him as more merciful now because of the relationships that you've had with like close people in your life did that begin to change your perception on god i think it's close people in my life and in my own personal experiences Mm. i think that god continues to bless me over and over again i've made so many mistakes in life and i've grown so much as a person um and I learned to forgive and grow and my heart is so big and I'm so open-minded and I'm able to give others so much grace. Hmm. I, I give all of that account, that credit to God because I was not that person. Hmm. And I feel because I, I can feel the changes in myself and I see how God continues to bless me and support me and open doors for me on top of the beautiful relationships that I've been able to build with friends in religion and, hmm. and knowledge I've been able to gain. 
I give all that credit to God. And I definitely feel that that has impacted my perspective as God being merciful. There's no way that someone like me who's filled with flaws and mistakes is able to grow and succeed and make change and meet so many beautiful, amazing people without Mm. the grace and mercy of God. That is, that is how I feel. You bring up an interesting point too, about a naked pastor. He's been on the, on the show a couple of times, but I have a a sweatshirt of his and on the front of the sweatshirt is one of his pictures, which is like a collage of all these different images of, of Christ. Uh, One of them is a black person. One of them is uh, trans person, like all these different images, because his idea is that Christ is in every single person. It's not just like you said, this straight white guy in the sky, but Christ literally is everybody. And for me, like growing up, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and in a very conservative um, church setting. And I, like you, I grew up in my mind imagining God to be this straight white guy, most likely with a beard, who sat on a throne, you know, somewhere far away. And it wasn't until I kind of popped out of that church bubble and started to have relationships with various people that I began to see um, Christ in a much different and different light. And uh, I talked to Dana about this a lot, but you were actually one of the first um, gay people who I really got to be close with. Like, I really got to know you. We became very good friends. I remember saying to Dana, like, this person is someone who, like, growing up, like, I was taught really not very good things about but now that i've gotten to know this person i got to know december's story like she's a beautiful human being and like her i see christ in her more than i do in some of the church people that i grew up with and that really did like a <laughs> radical thing in my brain because it really helped me kind of break out of that mold of seeing god in one particular way and beginning to see god in a variety of different ways such as that collage that uh that the naked pastor drew so that collage speaks to my heart in a big way because that was the first time my feelings I saw are like an art form, yeah. like available for everyone. I can't imagine how many people in our community identify with that or how many mm. people challenge their thought process because they thought the same way both of us did. Like God is this white man in the sky. Um, I also saw him with a beard, funny enough. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> a white beard. Yep. <laughs> a very long, white, thick beard. Yeah, God would be popular in this society because beards are a big thing now. So that, that is how, <laughs> that is how I look at um, <laughs> things, but definitely I, it hits close to my heart. And I, I really appreciate that image because it puts what, how I see God in real life. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So here's another question. Uh, this is one that I think you're going to have some perspective on. So uh, listeners buckle up and open up your notes app because you're going to want to take some notes on this, but The question is, what are some things that you wish LGBTQ allies would and wouldn't do? And I I will say that this is actually a question that a lot of people had in the group uh, because a lot of our listeners were raised in very conservative church environments where gay people were seen kind of as the enemies of God. But now that they're rethinking their faith and they're rethinking their understanding of God, like we just talked about, they're also trying to venture into this like new territory of supporting the people that they were raised to shun and demonize. And they're trying to figure out like what that looks like. So what do you wish allies would do? And what are maybe some allies doing that you wish maybe, maybe shouldn't do too much, too much of that. Maybe pump the brakes on that aspect of being an ally. I love, love, love this question for starters. Um, So for me, I'll start with the things that I feel that um, allies should do. Mm -hmm. So for people who want to be an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, let me, let me first say, I am not the official, not on this. It looks different for everyone, but I feel that this is a conversation I've known only had amongst people within my community, but just from my own personal experience. Sure. Um, one thing that I wish allies would not do is, um, or do, think about when your voice is necessary in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, many times I think that allies are so passionate about our equal rights or our oppression that their voice becomes the loudest one in the room and they become centered in in the argument they become now the advocate or the person who is visible which takes away from the person who's actually feeling the oppression it, it kind of spotlights you i think the biggest thing that an ally can do especially someone who benefits from privilege is making sure that the conversation stays focused and centered on the people who are oppressed and the people who are going through this very difficult time of, of being seen and and speaking up i think that 
often, even in conversations that I, I should not be leading, for example, I am not a person who identifies as transgender. I identify with um, the biological sex I was born with. So I identify mm. as a woman. And many times, because I'm so passionate about the equal rights of my trans friends, I've become the loudest person in the room and I've centered myself and my own oppression within that. I've taken away the spot from a, a trans person to speak up and advocate for their own issues and their what they would like to see and the own support that they need. So I think that firstly is most important. Think about when it's necessary for you to speak up. Mm. Um, in the same court, and this can can also sound confusing, but think about if if I'm being silent, am I being implicit? So mm. if you're if you're quiet. Many times, and I could think about this directly um, in for you, for example, in, in the church. Hmm. How many people, I don't know anyone personally who speaks up for the LGBTQ community um, when it comes to religion and God the way that you do. Hmm. Um, you speak out, you bring visibility to the issues. Um, I don't feel that you speak in the sense of someone who is experiencing that. You kind of open the door for conversation and you share the education. And I feel because you are aware that you are a white male who is straight, who benefits from a certain amount of privilege, you use your platform to bring visibility to the issues of those who don't get seen and don't get heard and get looked over. And I feel that that is a huge piece of being an ally is not remaining silent, even if it's uncomfortable. And along with that, making sure that you are connecting and doing the research um, and connecting with the resources who want to be of help to learn the things before you begin speaking up. Because many times you want to be out loud and you want to support and share your thoughts, but you don't have the, the research information, the education to appropriately speak. And then you, you, you kind of, you misinform people on a subject yeah. that you don't know of unintentionally. Yeah. And that is not, that's not helpful. Mm. Um, and I think that, that for me, I know can be very frustrating. Yeah. I think also allies tend to, because they are very passionate about advocating, they kind of tend to assume many times that people want to be your, your dictionary for these problems. For example, I'm also someone who identifies as a black woman right now with all of the racial tension that is happening because I'm both black and gay. And we're seeing the mass amounts of trans women dying at the hands of police and just humans and beings in general. Mm people come to me and ask me these questions without even thinking about how I am affected by what is happening in the world. And yeah. it's almost an expectation because you are this person who fits into this mold of um, being excluded and being treated unequally. I'm going to reach out to you and you are going to be my, my book of knowledge and how I'm going to know all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to be an ally, you have to challenge yourself to do the work, to learn the history of why things are the way they are, why we feel that we're oppressed, why we feel that um, we can't speak up or we're not, we don't have the appropriate visibility or equal rights. Find out about the laws, find out about privilege, find out about covert um, injustices that, that how our system is built on making sure that black and brown LGBTQ people and just LGBTQ people overall who aren't black, black, black and brown, the system is built to make sure that we don't thrive or to make sure that we are unprotected. Mm -hmm. I think that it is the allies job to do that work and learn that information and then speak up. And even before you speak up, if you have a close friend, like I know Glenn many times, you've had conversations with me, um, like, should I say this? Or right. if, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you want to, which is fair because we yeah. have a close relationship and you know that I'm comfortable with you answering that. Or you'll say, I don't know about this, but I want to understand why this is important for, for people like me not to do this. Hmm. Um, make, me, make me understand. But you always ask if, yeah. if I'm in a space to do that. And many people, I don't know how people just show up in my phone texting me. Like, I feel like it feels like, so how does it feel to be black today? Right. <laughs> or, or how does it feel to be gay today? And it's just like, yeah, I really don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dealing with just so many things, taking all of that information in and being an advocate and someone who dedicates their social media and dedicates their volunteer work and all of that to that. Sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you don't want to be that person's pilot for navigating through this. Yeah. So make sure you ask and also be willing to do the work. Um, mm. it's, it's incredibly important. So I, I feel like those, those couple of things are first. And then I think when you are in minority spaces, it's very important that again, you give 
you don't take up that space um, in place of someone who is a person of color or a person who is LGBTQ um, plus and may need that space. And when I say that, for example, I've been in many spaces where the conversation is centered around um, LGBTQ people and for, for example, talking about what is it like to work in a corporate infrastructure that does speak loudly and proudly about LGBTQ issues, but you may be a person of color and you don't feel comfortable within your own space. Hmm. And many times, I don't know how many times it's happened to me within these conversations, there may be a white person who is an ally or a white person who is um, LGBTQ who just monopolizes the entire conversation and doesn't open up the room for people of color to share their experience because they feel mm-hmm. that our experiences are all the same. Like, hey, we're all gay um, and we're, we're all oppressed and the, the hierarchies within oppression don't really matter um, mm-hmm. because we're all in the same boat. So I'm gonna take up this space and I'm gonna speak for all of us. Allow, or, or again, even just not even someone who's LGBTQ, someone who is straight and is an ally taking up that space um, and having the conversation based on all the research they've done and people that they've talked to, allow the people who are affected by this to, to sit in that space, to sit mm. in that chair, to attend that event, to, to be the one to speak up. Um, maybe sit back and listen more than you are adding to the conversation. Mm. I feel like you, you need to know when you're in a minority space that is built as a safe space for this community of people, when to speak up and when to be quiet as well. Mm. So as you can tell, I, I'm kind of big on when you should say something and when you shouldn't yeah, and what sure. work you're doing to educate yourselves. I feel like those are, are big pieces um, of an ally. One, mm. one important thing is there's, there's no such thing as a perfect ally. Nobody gets this right all the time, even as someone who's, who identifies as being within um, LGBTQ and, and a person of color. I don't always get it right. Mm. I think it's acknowledging when you get it wrong, first and foremost, don't hide from it. Acknowledge that this is where you went wrong and actively do the work to fix um, what you don't know and unlearn the things that you've done and and just continue to be a part of the conversation in ways Mm. that benefit those people. So I think those are some of the big things that I wish allies would and and would not do. Mm. And one of the things that I'm noticing since in this climate, we're seeing an onset of just a a plethora of so many different races and, and genders of people who are advocating for LGBTQ people, especially right now. Everybody wants to be an ally. Everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to support. I think it's important to make sure that you know that you're going to make mistakes and to get, more importantly, just get educated. Like I, I've had a conversation um, and I hate to go on and on. So please, you no, know, please. Gab, you have to no. <laughs> people are tuning in to listen um, to December Wells. <laughs> so you're good. <laughs> um, as of now, like we just got that law passed in which, you know, LGBTQ people cannot be fired um, yep. for their, um, from their jobs, which is super long overdue. But at the same time, we still have lots of laws in the medical field that do not protect us. So, for example, if you are a trans person, um, somebody can deny you medical care at this point because we don't have any laws to protect us in that, to make sure that we can mm. get, seen, get the medicine we need get supported or trans people can have the same experience. And that's huge. Many people don't even know the life expectancy when it comes to LGBTQ people. So overall, the life expectancy for anyone within that community is cut short by 12 years. That's just blanketed. Cut short by 12 years. That, that, is, that is factual information. When it comes to trans people, it's massively shorter. Um, I, I want to say specifically, um, the life expectancy for, for trans women is somewhere in the early 30s. Um, wow. For for me, that's in, that's incredibly saddening um, yeah. to know. And when you have people who will argue with you why it's not important to make these laws to protect, and then you give them those facts, it's just like think about the people that you know in your life just by just for who they love or just for how they identify. How it immediately takes years off of their life. Hmm. They don't get to live a full, protective, supportive life. They don't have the time to learn and grow like others. It's important to know these things because when you're a person who falls into this community, you think about those things daily. You mm. think about how your life is cut short. You think about, is it comfortable to say or, or do this particular thing? Because I don't know how this person who now knows who I am is going to look at me, affect me, or treat me, or, or even treat, um, you know, maybe be violent against me. These yeah. are things that we have to consider. So you have to know those things. And it's very important to be someone who is informed 
so you can share these conversations with your friends and family and, and really just support those around you in, in, a, in a way that's sustainable. Support yeah. needs to be sustainable. It's ongoing, but you can't support, in my perspective, if you don't know the facts and, and if you're not informed. Though me learning that trans people have a life expectancy, specifically trans women in their early 30s, absolutely destroyed me. Mm. Um, knowing that made me even more passionate about fighting for, for the rights of another group of people within my community. And that's, that's when it comes to being an ally, you have to know these things and you have to tread lightly and you have to be a voice that's making sure that these specific things are being seen and heard in the right way. I think you bring up a, a couple of good points. I mean, one of the things that comes to my mind is that idea about, you know, not, not necessarily trying to be the voice for the community, but to almost create space where those people can use the voices that they have. Um, early on in the series, Brandon Robertson, he's a pastor in San Diego. He came on, he's, a, he's gay. And he said, you know, a lot of times allies are, are trying their best to, to stand up for, for our community. And, but the problem is that they're using their voice so loudly when in reality, we have our own voices that are quite gifted. And what we really need is for them to use their privilege, like you said, to kind of carve out space where, where they can, where we can use our voices um, on, on our own behalf. And I think that's a really important thing. And I would imagine for you, like you had said that you're, you're, you're gay, you're not trans, but you have this passion uh, for trans people, especially with the statistics that you learned. And I would imagine being somebody who has such a strong and passionate voice like you do that sometimes that might even be something you have to guard against is not using your voice too loudly to trample over them, but maybe give them some space to use their voice as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know? you cover that perfectly. I think too, you know, about, about resources and studying, like for me, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. So I have like a, a whole shelf of books, but it could be all too easy. And I've noticed this in my own, my own self to even come to work and ask you a question. When in reality, I could do some research myself first and, and read up on the question that I have, but then maybe ask you about the thing that I learned as opposed to coming to you as the textbook. I go to the textbook, but then I come to you for clarification. I think that sometimes we can put too much pressure on the, on the community that we're trying to be, to stand up for and expect them to give us all the answers when in reality, like you said, we could go do our own work. I appreciate that, that you, you kind of collectively put that all into perspective very accurately. <laughs> yeah. And maybe and what, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Finish. I was going to say, maybe what you could do is you could send me, um, <laughs> I could go do my own research on this, but if you could send me your own, <laughs> if you could send me like what, like a book list of maybe books about, um, LGBTQ that you think would be helpful for our listeners, just so I could put almost like a, a December's book list together so people can go out and kind of find those books and do that reading on their own. I would love to do that. Absolutely. Um, I know we talked about a book list, um, a book list for black um, community issues, yeah. especially yeah. in this time. And I've also like shared some books online mm -hmm. that I feel are super valuable and very informative. So I'd love to put that together for you, for our, L for our LGBTQ community, because I've read a lot of those books too. That would be awesome. So let's hit one more question um, before I let you go. We have some parents who listen to the podcast who have kids who um, are gay. And so they want to know, these parents want to know, what advice do you have for parents of LGBTQ kids? Like, what do those kids need to hear from their parents? What do they need from their parents that their parents might be completely unaware of? So one thing that is super important is, and I'm going to share some facts when it comes to this. Yeah. Um, and this is for LGBTQ youth specifically. 92% mm -hmm. um, of LGBTQ youth say that they hear negative messages about being LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. And the top sources of those negative messages are school, the internet, and their peers. So if you're someone who identifies as LGBTQ and all you hear is all the time about how horrible you are. The, the worst part is not feeling accepted from your parents at home. Please understand that this is a world that we live in where it's a, it's a very large amount of community that don't want to see us thrive or even survive. So at home, it's important to know that and show a lot of love and support. It's not about you. It's not about you feeling comfortable. It is not about um, what, what you do and don't know. It's very easy. It's for me, it's very simple to say, 
this is your choice and who you are or not your choice for many people. I'm going to love and support you regardless. And I'm going to make sure at least at home, because you can't control what happens in the outside world. I'm going to create an atmosphere of acceptance. I'm going to create an atmosphere of information. I'm going to make sure that in this space, you know that you are loved and valid because that is a huge, huge, huge issue um, within our community. I think another interesting fact is that four in 10 LGBTQ um, youth, so that's 42%, say the community in which they live in is not accepting of LGBTQ people, which means that many times LGBTQ youth have no place to go to see people who look like them or understand them or can align with them or educate them on resources um, that they can find to get the support that they need, um, to get the specific education they may need um, or, or even health um, support yeah. that they need. So I think it's very important for parents who are in specific communities that look that way and feel that way. And to me, it's, it's very obvious. You know, when you're in a community that is a part of that, mm. it is your job to make sure that you support your, your children in getting the information to get them to these spaces so they can see people who look and feel like them. It mm. is nothing more comforting for me when at least even living back home in New York, when I walked into the LGBTQ center for the first time, it felt like a second home. I saw so many people and talked to and met so many people who looked like me, who could understand my experiences, who could validate my feelings, people who could, I could share joy with and laugh with. I feel it's very important to find those spaces for yeah. your children, yeah. find those spaces where they can be themselves, learn the information. LGBTQ kids need specific health care and, yeah. and, and therapy. Find the places that offer that. There's so many places that offer those things for free. Um, I love the Trevor Project because it is, it's even for me in my younger years and even as an adult, I called it, even though it's for youth, the Trevor Project is a group and organization that is dedicated to helping LGBTQ people who are um, having thoughts of suicide and having a hard time and connecting with them. And I think many times when I questioned my sexuality when I was young, I, I think I would have loved having that outlet and knowing that was there just to have someone to talk to, just to have someone who could understand me. I think the most important thing is when, when you have a child or even a, a young family member who identifies and finally steps in to know who they are, because as adults, we're all navigating through finding ourselves and being our best selves. It doesn't stop once you get older. Yeah. You know as a person what that struggle feels like. Make it a little bit easier for them by opening the door and saying, I'm going to get educated and I'm going to provide these safe spaces. Um, and if I can't provide them at home, I'm going to find the places in which you can feel safe and feel educated and get these resources. Get mm -hmm. your kids out there and, and, and learn with them or even be there with them. I love that I have two parents and I'm very fortunate who are super supportive of the fact that I am gay um, mm -hmm. or that I identify as a lesbian. Um, I, my mom was sending me some t-shirt the other day and I'd tell her mom, this is, this is not a cute shirt, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not the right thing. It was like a bear or something on it. And it had something about LGBTQ. I was like, it's not the one, but they <laughs> want tried. to be, she tried. <laughs> they try. She yeah. tried. They want to be supportive and yeah. they want to be loving. And I'm very lucky in that aspect. So I feel, um, to take it back to your question, um, what advice do you have for parents of LGBTQ kids or what do, that was the question, right? Yeah. Yep. What do kids need to hear from their parents? They yep. need to hear that they're loved and accepted. Don't yeah. tell them that God is not going to accept them and that they're going to go to hell mm. because that is not, I for one believe that that is very inaccurate and untrue. Yep. And I, I feel like it's a, no child, I don't feel that children have the cognitive ability to accept that kind of heaviness and yeah. still wake up and go through navigating life every day, especially in this culture. Yeah. It's so hard and it's so easy, especially like we said, that percentage of the internet. Kids are getting bullied and getting uh, just an, an influx of negative information everywhere they turn and everywhere they look. The last place they need it is from the person who gave them life and is supposed to love and protect them. Mm. So I think creating the safe spaces at home, finding the safe spaces out in your communities, um, advocating for their equal rights. Um, if you're having conversations with your other family, I know I didn't have family that was against um, LGBTQ people. I have two gay uncles, but I know many times I have family members that when I first came out, they wouldn't, they wouldn't acknowledge my partner as my girlfriend. They would mm. say things like your friend or your little friend. Don't undermine my identity or, or undermine the person that I love by minimizing what they are to me. Yeah. And I think 
family and friends do that because they aren't comfortable or they, they just don't care. They don't feel it's important to acknowledge. So I think another thing that parents and family can do is check their family members when they're, when they're doing those things because mm. kids remember. I can remember things from when I was very small that I've heard not even related to, to gay or black issues that affected me for the rest of my life and how I saw myself. Mm. We, we don't forget those things. Be the brave person to say, hey, that's not accurate information. I'm going to challenge you to look up what you're saying and get informed on it. And I'm also going to challenge you even further to not have this kind of conversation with my kids. Mm. I'm not going to have them around you if this is the type of negative conversation and negative atmosphere you're going to build for them because they have to survive in this world and you're not helping build self-confidence, self-awareness, or, or even the bravery that it takes to be yourself every day by saying these things around them. Mm. So really champion them. Champion them like you would for anything else in life in being who they are. Yeah. And that, that's, that's my advice. If I'm hearing you right, would you say that does, does allyship sometimes look different for a parent than it would for a regular person? Like we just talked about how sometimes allies can talk too much on behalf of the people that they're standing for. Um, but maybe sometimes would you say in your experience that like maybe parents need to speak up a little bit more on behalf of their children to maybe almost model for their children how to be courageous, how to be brave, how to be comfortable in their own skin? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when, I was, when I was young, I didn't, there was so much about life that I didn't know that my parents had already experienced. Um, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to accept having my own voice because I didn't mm. know where I belonged and I didn't know if I would be accepted. I didn't even know if I was allowed to have one. And kids are people too. Um, yeah. They have voices, they have opinions. Um, and whether they're right or wrong, it's up to you to be the one to help steer them, um, help navigate through that with them. And then yeah. because you are the adult and you have a lot more um, legal room and space to do that and, and you be accountable for it, it looks a little different. Mm -hmm. You have the, the space to be able to speak up. You have the access. Um, you have the ability to do things that kids cannot. Kids can't legally go out um, to many of these safe spaces that are created um, for them to have someone that looks like them or for them to receive resources and have support because they're not of the legal age to do so. They, they, can't, they can't say, hey, I'm, I'm going to go drive my car and go to the safe space. You have to take them. Um, you have to inform them. You have to kind of map out, is this going to be a safe space that they can benefit from? There are so many things that adults can do that obviously youth cannot. So use that privilege, and it looks very different for someone who's a parent, to open that door for them. And, mm. and again, champion them in that way. It does many times when you're a parent look very different because you have access to them every day. You're yeah. there supporting, living, loving, being with them every single day. So you have an even larger responsibility in how you ally. Mm. It's very important for you even in that aspect. When you're a parent, I can assume it's very difficult to be the one who's not the loudest in the room because you're trying to guide them and inform yeah. them. And many times you can lose yourself and say, well, I have all these years of life and I have all of this experience and I know what the world is like because I've been able to navigate through it differently from you. Hmm. So I'm going to minimize your voice and I'm going to undermine your feelings because I'm older than you. And that is wrong also. Yeah. Um, I know this. It's, I'm just as guilty. I have a younger sister. She's straight. And many times she has to, tries to have these conversations with me and because about various things in life and while she's an adult, she's 22, I shortchange her again and again by saying, hey, you don't know this because you're young and maybe one day you'll get it and this is not something that you're informed enough on. So I'm not even going to bother listening to your opinion or even accepting that you can give some insight to me that I wasn't aware of because you have a different perspective. Hmm. So I definitely feel it's different. So good. December, we are just about out of time. Uh, thank you. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to come on here and, and talk with me and uh, thank you for for being you and for using your voice in the way that you do. Thank you, Glenn, for allowing me to answer the questions. And I, I hope um, <laughs> I was as eloquent <laughs> and direct awesome. as I, I think that I was, but I'm learning just like everyone else. And I'm always trying to find new ways to educate myself and speak it. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to not only represent my community, but kind of shed light to people who want to be allies and support. It's a huge deal. It's a wonderful honor and privilege. And I just love that we live in a world where we can do that now and that I'm lucky enough to meet people like you who open that door um, for me to do that. So thank you. Absolutely. And uh, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you at work. <laughs> yes, we, yes, Virtually we will. from home. Yes, <laughs> we will. We, I'm sure we'll talk more the rest of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. You have a good one. Go clock back in from lunch. I will enjoy. All right. I need you guidance, Lord. Come on.
doesn't hurt to be selfish no i got a big heart i like to be helpful some people take it for granted it goes for all levels no i might sound crazy it can be dreadful got a clip you think you got the keys on the voyage always searching i feel at the knees nothing but to go above and i can go beneath i've been through the highs and lows of things you can't believe so many folk are independent you know that's a given because they've been hurt so many times that's just part of living God reminds us on the daily, it's already written. Can't believe she ate the fruit and we know that's forbidden. That's forbidden. It's been a minute since I felt so amazing. Lost out in the space where stars are gazing. Maybe I see heaven while the sun all blazing. Instead, I'm going hit the dreams and I'm still chasing. Yeah. Father, please help me. I need your guidance, Lord. Come on and get me, Lord. God bless me with my one and my needs. Know that he got my back and no choice but to receive. Only thing that I ask is that you do set me free. Free. Falling to my knees. Praying to God bless me with my one and my needs. Know that he got my back and no choice but to receive. Only thing that I ask is that you do set me free. Yeah. When I die, you're the first I'm trying to see. Never got to say goodbye, cause I'm still in disbelief. Only seeing you in my dreams, always blocked by all the beams. Maybe it's a sign I can take it to extreme, yeah. My decisions were the base of what we talked about. Always pulled to me, make sure I never had a doubt. You weren't the perfect person, but nobody is. You always dreamed to have a house of wife, some little kids. You were the king of in the making. Always about your paper, never sure there wasn't breaking. Forever I'm inspired. Your hustle ambition, so I'm in mind. In the same place, close to my heart, your desire. End of the day, I just want to see your face. You to tell me that you're proud of me, I always find a way. I know that you're around me when the wind starts to sway. A cardinal in the trees, I just need you here to stay. Yeah. Father, please help me. I need your guidance, Lord. Come on and get me, Lord. A real one coming to your throne. Gotta believe that I'm of your own. Conversation, revelation from the maker of man. Falling to my knees. Praying to God, bless me with my one and my needs. Know that he got my back and no choice but to receive. Only thing that I ask is that you do set me free. Free. Falling to my knees. Praying to God, bless me with my one and my needs. Know that he got my back and no choice but to receive. Only thing that I ask is that you do set me free. 